Well, good afternoon, friends. It's lovely to see you. I've got the privilege of welcoming Remco and Jane. They're going to be leading the seminar. Let's welcome Remco, shall we? <laughs> um, I've got to know Remco and Jane a little bit in the last uh, year or so, um, and they've come through to Birmingham. We've just got mutual friends, and I just really, I'm really passionate about this subject matter, and delighted that you're leading us. Remco's got a, a global role in IKEA. Uh, a few of us have heard of IKEA, I'm sure. <laughs> and um, we were just chatting over lunch about some of the privileges and the, uh, the ways that he's able to influence uh, what's going on in that environment. And I'm guessing you're here because you probably carry leadership in in the marketplace. Just uh, uh, framing this, one of the things that John and Debbie did when they took on leadership of the Vineyard family here in the UK as they spoke about five emphases, five areas of concern, health and growth and church planting, but one of them was kingdom impact. And the premise for that was recognizing that the, the, the space in which the kingdom of God impacts is not just inside a building on a Sunday. Uh, what goes on outside in terms of the culture you create in your business, how you treat staff, uh, you know, using all those gifts to bring God glory in the environments you find yourself is hugely important to him. And so we want to celebrate you if you're in that space where your leadership is expressed in an environment, not a church-based environment. It is wonderfully valuable that you're here. And I'm really glad that these topics are getting a bit more airtime. So without further ado, I don't rob your time. Remco, we're delighted that you're here. Thank you very much. Super. Great. Um, so, yeah... Um, if you're here to get the latest tricks and tips on how to put together your furniture, it will not happen. <laughs> Although I can, you know, I, I could probably help you a bit there. So I've been, I've been putting together quite some IKEA furniture myself. But uh, yeah, I know we all had our struggles. But uh, <laughs> even I, you know, worked for IKEA for many years. I'm really, I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to see you all. Um, I'm actually, uh, and I was talking also over lunch with somebody else, and she's, you know, a little bit blown away already with what was. Uh, mentioned by Debbie last night and what was mentioned this morning about uh, Putu on, on, on the topics because what they were talking about last night and what was uh, shared this morning is very much connected to what we're talking about here today when we're talking about Christ-like leadership in the marketplace because topics as servanthood and stewardship and identity and calling are at the core of Christ-like leadership in the marketplace because it is all about who you are and who God says you are and how he has created you and how he has designed you. So I was just trying to get my phone working here. I, you know, some of the things I wrote, I said, you know, when Debbie was, was talking yesterday about be aware in the world we're living in and what is happening, you know, and that is also for the, for the workplace to prepare ourselves. And I think that is what this, probably what we're, we're talking about in the, in the coming 50, 55 minutes is very much about, so how to prepare, where I hopefully will share some of the stuff that I've been doing and I've been learned along the way of being a leader in, in business, but also being a leader in church and, and understanding how the two actually work together and how that connects to, to, to calling. Uh, two, two sentences I want to share that, uh, that really struck me, and it was already again uh, this morning, um, um, mentioned come into agreement with what you carry because that is what this is about come into agreement with what you carry your calling what god wants for you and your life and then when we were, we're starting worshiping this morning um uh, th this song of i am who you say i am and i think that is very much at the core of christ-like leadership i started the seminar actually in your booklet is said cr uh, christian leadership and i thought it was a very cool title uh, but then in preparing myself, I said, you know, Christian leadership is about Christ-like leadership. And it is very much, again, about, you know, carrying that image of Christ, of, of the Father, true Christ, in our workplace. And um, we said that, you know, Christian leadership in the marketplace 
Um, how can we transform culture and radically change the lives of individuals as Christian leaders in the marketplace? How can we lead and influence others based on our beliefs and express through our behavior, words, and deeds? Being a Christian in, in a work environment um, is not about you know, inviting your colleagues uh, to Alpha, although that is a very good thing to do. It's, 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 it's not only about you know, telling that you are, I'm a Christian and I go to church on Sunday and start that conversation, which is super important to do. But actually, I think there is a, a much stronger witness to Christ, and that is you. Who you are, how you act, how you interact, how you value people, and how you create actually culture, and how you create an environment where people can thrive, where people can flourish, and where, where people actually can start seeing glimpses of what God has meant them to be. Because I think that is one of my learnings, is being responsible for a large group of people uh, in, in, in a certain period of time, um, is, is by opening up and, and, and creating an environment for people to, to become who they are actually brings them closer to the design that God has meant them to be. And I think that is very much where it is. So this is, today, it's, it's, uh, as Andrew said, it is for you who work in the marketplace, but I think it's also for you who, who are working or leading people that are working in the marketplace. So it's for, it's for a broad spectrum. Um, when, I when I was preparing for... Um, Yes, when I was preparing, I actually had to think about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know, this theme song of, 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 uh, from Will Smith, actually, where he said, you know, this is the story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. <laughs> I like to take a minute, just sit right there. And that is what this is about, because this is the story of my life. This is the story of what, what God has done through me in the last, especially in the last 20, 25 years. And uh, realizing... Uh, where I am today, actually only in the last years, you know, struggling as a young leader, struggling as a, a, a young leader in church, but especially as a young leader in, in a business environment, and actually starting to understand in the last years what, what God actually meant that and how, how he has connected those things. So this is very much my story. Uh, and then also it's very much about your story. So where you are in your workplace or when you're leading people that are part of the workplace, when you're a pastor, when you, you know, you, you're, you're, you're mentoring people or you're coaching people or you're leading a small group, you know, where does this sit in your story? And then let's ask God to, to reveal to us, you know, when we're listening to this, when we are, you know, having a conversation together on, on this topic, on, you know, where, where God wants to touch you and where God wants to prompt things to you. So, yeah, let's pray. Father, we just ask you to come in this workshop, in this place. Lord, it is your time, and you're calling us, come now is the time. And I, I pray that when we, when, we, when we talk about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a carrier of your image in the workspace, how we can actually do that, and how you want to use us, and how you want to call us out by name, and how you want to create and make us that one whole person that you have meant us to be. So, Lord, I pray that you will bless this time. Help me to share what needs to be shared and stop me where I should not say things. Lord, I really pray that this, you know, this workshop, this, this time together will, will land and will plant seeds that will grow and that will you know, cultivate into good and beautiful things for your purpose. Amen. So, um, what I will about to do, so probably I will spend about 20, 25 minutes on, on sharing a story and touching on some topics. 
uh, and then uh, we, we will do a little work together because that's why it's called a workshop. I'm always very amazed we go to workshops and we listen for one hour and then I'm walking away and said, what, what was the work part here? So I'm going to put you to work. So I know some people get a little bit nervous when I say that, oh, I don't know, I need to do something. But yes, you're going to do something, not so very much. And then also I will definitely try to make some time for questions and, and remarks and, and, and some conversation that we, uh, that we would like to have. Um, Christ-like um, Christ leadership is everything about Christ. Uh, you can read all about Jesus in the Bible. And as you are all these beautiful, fine Christians and you know your Bible, I will not use Bible verses today. So I don't want to disappoint you. I'm not going to list 10 different Bible verses. But everything I'm talking about is in the Bible. And then if you find me talking about things that are not in the Bible, then I please contact me and I will straighten it out. But it is all there. So there will not be very much Bible verses. There will not be so much references to that one. It is very much because that would make it an even bigger story. But it is, about, it is about following the image and following the uh, example of Jesus. So my story started actually, uh, or this part of my story, started with a new assignment. Uh, at a certain point, working for IKEA, and you recognize, of course, the big blue box. Uh, working for IKEA, I got the opportunity after already being involved in both national and international roles, global roles. Uh, they asked me if I wanted to take over one of the store with a very specific assignment, and I would, you know, I would normally say that the assignment was to, to, to help people to reinvent themselves, to help people to get back the passion for the company, for the product, and for the customer. Uh, and they asked me to, to take the assignment. I said, I want to do this. Even if I was already many years within IKEA, I said, I want to run this store. I think it's, it is probably one of the nicest things to do. It's, it's the closest things we can do coming to the customer. And I still remember, and this was probably one of my revelations, I still remember driving up the A1 in the Netherlands, uh, close to a city called Hengelo. Forget that name. It's on the east side, close to the German border. And I was driving up that A1 together with Jay, my wife, and I saw this big blue box, which is actually this, this was my store. Um, I saw that big blue box, and, and something hit me. And what hit me was not the fact uh, that I would have 1.5 million visitors, that I was uh, responsible for millions of turnover, that had all these products, that had all these customers. But suddenly I realized that I, was that I would become responsible for plus 350 people. And that my role and my, who I was and my responsibility was for their lives, how they would come to work, how they would leave work. And actually that would influence their lives, that would influence their families, and it would influence you know, how, they would, um, how they would be. And I know that sounds very dramatic because you could say, yeah, but Remco, you're not. No, of course, I understand. But yes, I was the boss of tri plus 350 people, in the end actually 400 people. Um, and I suddenly realized that, whoa, I need to do something about this. So running this company, running this business, uh, where, where there's a lot of practical stuff that I need to take care of, and you know, I have my goals, and I need to sell products, and I have these customers, and I need to take good care of them, but I realized that it was starting with the people, and that, that my role was to take care, uh, take care of, these, um, of these customers. And then at the same time also realizing how do I get in that place? Why did I say yes? And why, why, why did this happen to me? And that actually brings me to, to, to the topic of stewardship. Because um, I think stewardship is a word, and I've been using it actually quite regularly in the last years. It sounds like a very old-fashioned word, but I think it is a very important word. And, and realizing that what we do is given by God to us, but it's coming from him. 
So even me as being uh, in this in this situation as as starting to 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 lead this 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 company this store, realizing that the place that I was was a God-given place, that I did not invent this opportunity myself, but that He would give it to me, and that it was me for uh, it was up to me to take good care of it. So I think that is a very important, uh, was for me a very important realization that this was not my own achievement, that this was not my own, you know, I'm doing a very great job, so that's why they asked me. <coughs> I really realized that it was God who put me in the place. Because if you would see my, you know, my working journey and the stuff that I've been doing, it, it was quite irrational. I'd never let so many people. I've done amazing, great stuff, and I've been part of, of great teams. But some, somebody somewhere just said, hey, Remco, by the way, why don't you want to, why don't you gonna lead the store? And why don't you gonna, you know, increase turnover? Why are you gonna, you know, make sure that our customers love us better? And I had never done it. I, ha I didn't have a track record on that specific, realizing that the place where I was was, was given by God. And I think that is what stewardship is. You know, I like this story in the Bible, to make a reverence, you know, when these three guys, they get, everybody gets something, and you know, they're asked to take good care of it. And then, you know, being good steward of what God has given it. So stewardship starts with the realization that God has given it to us. That's also a very comforting thing. Because if God has given it to us, you know, for, in, in order for us to take care of it, you know, we can also count on him that he would come alongside and help us with it. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. And that he will not give us more than we can carry. And that was also for me a comforting thought that you know in 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 this role, uh, and that applied for many other places also that I um, that he would not give me something that I could not carry, because my prayer has always been every and then every time I would make a, a decision in work, I, you know, my prayer was always you know God you know me better than I know myself, so what do I need to do next? And that has been and I've been you know I've been changing uh, assignments about every three four years. It would always be my prayer, God, you know me better than myself. You know what is necessary for me in this place in this time. So what do you want me to do next? Where do you want to lead me? What do you want? And I've always seen opportunities arising, and 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 also seeing God's hand in taking the right decisions there. So it starts with being God-given servanthood. It also means that if it's given by God that we need to take very good care of it. And the way we do that, and I like this sentence, is, you know, I have not invented it myself. If I would have done it, I would have trademarked it. But, you know, to do it for an audience of one. So to do it for him. Which means that we as Christians, I believe that we are called to excellence in the workplace. I think showing Christ is showing excellence in everything that you do. In, in every way that you can do. That means that you are... You do what you say, it means that you are fair, it means that you are honest, and it means that you will go the extra mile. Because I think that by doing that, we can actually show Christ. We can show what it is to be a Christian. We do it for God, and we do it excellent. And I, I think that that is a very important part of, of stepping into this. God-given and for an audience of one. It is very much about servanthood. And, and there's, this is actually a very big umbrella. Um, and um, I know we talk a lot about servant leadership, but, uh, and, and actually I would actually talk to my team a lot about servant leadership, but then starting to realize that servant leadership becomes more about a method, where this is about a, a state of the heart, a matter of the heart. It's about, it's bigger than just a way of doing it. It's about what you believe you should be doing, which servanthood covers a much bigger area. So 
leading in the marketplace, being a leader, being, being responsible for people is about having the heart of a servant. It is about servanthood. It is about believing in people and value people. And I think that is the starting point for a lot of the, th the differences that we can make on the work floor, is that how do we see people and how do, why, how do we believe in people and how do we value people? And I think just to make that, side, you know, th and this is something that is not new for us in church, because in church, when, we, you know, when we're leading church, where we have pastoral responsibility, it's all about people. We talk about, we, you know, that's what we do. You know, we value people because they're valued by God, and then suddenly we're coming to the work floor, and then suddenly all that stuff disappears. Because in church, it's true, but in the workspace, you're an asset. You're, you're a means to an end. You are, you know, you are efficiency. You are a KPI. And I believe that that is where we can make a difference, where we can become actually countercultural, where we actually come do it in a totally different way, where we actually can show people who Jesus is and how they are valued and who they are as people. So it starts with, with having this attitude of servanthood. And uh, when I started in, in this role, and I've, I've, been doing this, uh, I've been doing this tour for about three years, um, uh, I always tried to capture it in words. So there were a few words that I started to talk about with, to my management team and to the coworkers in that store. And, and one was communication, which I felt is, is, is a super important word. You know, how do we communicate? And that communication is not a, that communication is an intentional thing. It's not something that comes falling out of the sky. It's actually one of those words. And I, I tell this story, uh, actually I told this story to all my coworkers every time. So, you know, when I went to my pastor and preparing for my wedding, you know, the only thing that my pastor actually, we, we were thinking, you know, now he's gonna talk about the birds and the bees and he's gonna tell us all these fancy stories and how to have a happy, healthy marriage and all these things. Actually, the only thing he told us was, you know, it's all about communication. I don't know if he told you also, but he told me it's all about communication. And, and I've, I've kept that because communication is one of those things. And sorry, it's not on the slide, but I just felt uh, talking about it. Is we always believe that we are communicating. But communication, thinking that you're communicating, think again because we're not communicating. Communication has to do with intent, being intentional. has to do that you have to think about it, what you communicate, to who you communicate, how that message comes across, and what it does to the other person, and then repeat it again and again and again. And I believe communication is an important, uh, important factor. The other word that I had was trust. Uh, because I felt that my responsibility was to create that environment of trust. And... Um, I would talk about um, with the coworkers about you know trust is important. First of all, starting with trusting yourself. What does it mean who you are? What does you know trust that you can do this job? Trust that you have that possibility, the opportunity to actually do it. But also trust your colleague. Trust them that he or she is, is sitting in the same boat and wants to have the same out of this one. So how can we create trust? And with trust, it's I always believe you know you have active trust and you have passive trust. And passive trust says you know is is where we lean back and where we say, you know, you show me, and then if you're worth it, I'm gonna trust you. Or active trust, where you actually say, no matter what, I'm gonna give you trust. I'm actually gonna give you the, the benefits of the doubt, I'm gonna trust you because you are worth it. And um, some ways, uh, and, that, and that trust actually creates space creates an environment where people can flourish. It creates safety, and we all know that safety is one of those, one of those elements that people need in the work floor, the, in the workspace. They need, to, they need to feel they're trusted, they need to feel safe. And, uh, and we know from, uh, you know, read the research around it, you know, that is where people struggle a lot. They don't feel safe, they don't feel valued, they don't feel trusted, and that creates a very strange atmosphere. So trust leads to creating, creating space for people actually to become who they are, 
It also means for you as a leader, and that is one of those things that I had to, 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 to learn, trust also means to let go. You know, and that is probably one of the hardest, hardest things, is to let go. Um, there's, a, there's a difference between Remco 20 years ago and now, although I'm still learning on this side, I would say, when it is about letting go. Uh, my suitcase lost yesterday in the, in the airplane because we couldn't bring it on board, and uh, I had to let go of my suitcase, and that was a tough thing for me. Probably doesn't mean something for you, but it means a lot to me. But I had to let go, so how much do, do we dare to let go? But giving trust means that you need to let go. Giving trust also means that, that you, in that, in that environment that you create, that you allow others to do things in a different way. So you are, you, you, you say, this is where we're going, but you allow others to do it in a way that might not be directly the way you would have done it. And that means that you need to let go, and that means that, that I had to learn that, you know, to, to, to really bite my lips sometimes, say, I should not say here something. This is because here you need to trust people, you believe in people, people are creative, people are made in the image of God, you know, they're good people, so let it go. And I, I really had to learn that. But if you start doing that, you know, you see people actually uh, uh, flourish. And, and some examples of, of actually how, how we did it. So one of the things I did in, the, in this environment was, you know, this is a st I, was, I was leading a store, seven days a week open, long opening hours. So rostering, you know, setting schedules is a very tough thing. And we had whole machinery for that, and there was, you know, a lot of algorithms behind it, and it's, it's, it's a very tough uh, not to crack, actually, for a lot of retailers. And, and you know, then you, you put names in the machine, and then, there are, you know, a schedule comes out. And I felt that my coworkers, that, that the people were not happy with that, because they didn't have control. And what people want is have control. They want autonomy, they want to have control. So I actually gave the rostering, the scheduling, and I know this was a big step in that, in that environment, I gave it to my coworkers. I said, okay, this is the play field. Yes, we have X amount of customers on these moments in the day. We need to be there for the customers, but you're gonna figure it out together as a community, how you want to do that, smaller communities. So giving trust to your coworkers, and that created a whole positive you know, thing in that environment where they say, oh wait, so I can, so I can do that? My yes, you can do that yourself. So you, we don't have to come to you, uh, and of course, I to be very honest, I was not on the detailing with, with schedules myself, of course, but uh, so we don't have to ask for, no, this is what the framework is, and we give you trust <coughs> to do that. We did the same with all the, all the, the tasks that was per department. So I started, and, and these are very practical examples uh, on, you know, said, okay, these are the tasks that we need to do. You as a, t as a group of people figure out how you want to do it, who will do it and when you will do it. And these sound very strange, but it created an environment where people started to believe again, where people started to be valued again, where people started to feel that they could actually do some things themselves and that, it, that they were not part of just a big machine, but that they actually were human beings, that were listened to and that they, that they were actually valued for um, what they were doing. And the other side on, on, on that is that, you know, uh, you know, we would talk a lot about, you know, it is okay to make mistakes. And when you say something like that, you also need to follow through. So yes, it is okay to make mistakes. And we don't hit you on the head straight away, or actually not, as, not so much. <laughs> There are mistakes that you should not make <laughs> when it's about safety and when it's about uh, you know some legal issues. But uh, there are we, we, we actually we, we became a, we became a, a community of people that actually felt that it was okay to make mistake. 
I will not say so much about community. That was one of the goals that we have. Uh, one of the three goals we had as a store is that we want to be a great community to work with. So then you start also to address people in a different way and you start to you gather around common goals and around common common interests. And, and what does it mean to be a community, not just a workplace, but also carry for one another. But that's a whole whole different story. So it is it is about, as I said, it is about people. People are what it is uh, all about. Uh, in the center of what we're doing, uh, allowing God to work through you. Because although this sounds quite technical, and, and maybe some of the examples uh, you know, will hit the floor and, and doesn't, doesn't land everywhere, it is very much about how do we have an impact on people. And these, these that's, you know, stewardship as, as a starting point for me as a leader, and me being responsible and understanding what God has given me, stepping into servanthood, you know, leading people from a place where actually where it was not about me, but where it was about the people, where it starts with me, but it is not about me, started to have an impact on people. And people started to open up, and st people started to flourish, and people started to, to feel alive. And that sounds very strange, but that is what happens when you do it in that way. And I think, I personally believe that that is probably a much more powerful way than slam people in the workspace with the Bible around the head. Because they were experiencing something they had not, never experienced before. And actually, yeah. Um, so I've been in situations uh, when this was started to go on where I could actually speak into people's life, which we probably as Christians call prophesying, in work environments, where I could address things, where I uh, where where there was revelation on people's lives or situations they were in, without them knowing it, and I had had I, I actually became very good. My HR manager was uh, always, uh, well, I don't think she was all too happy with that always, but I would I would always, I was very good at making people cry, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say for the very good reasons because it was always crying around who you are as a person and where does your passion sit and what do you feel. Well, I would not talk in words as what do you feel called to, because, you know, that sounds a little bit strange. Um, but, you know, where you are and what, what makes you happy, and, and, you know, we would have... And you could speak into people's life, and I think by doing that, you bring people closer to God. And I don't necessarily have to say, you know, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you live in sin, you know, you need Jesus. But you bring people closer to God, and by being who you are, by being who I was, actually, be or was becoming also, because it's part, been part of my process, you would bring people much more into a relationship or closer to Jesus, and actually you start showing uh, the kingdom. So it is, it is all about people. And when it is all about people, it is personal. And I think... If there's one sentence in business I hate, is this sentence, and you might have heard it before, oh, sorry, it's business, it's not personal. I believe that as long as when we're working with people, it's always personal. And I know we're doing more with computers and AI and robotics, and there's a, lot of, there's a whole area there out there that we probably have to think about. But when we're dealing with people, it is always personal. When I'm talking to a coworker, it's personal. What I say to that coworker has an effect, because I realize I'm the boss, even if that's, you know, it was not on my name tag because within IKEA, as you know, especially in a store, we don't make any <coughs> differentiation between, you know, where you are in the organization. We all wear the same yellow shirt. We all have the same blue trousers. We all have the same shoes, uh, which is very much part of our culture as an organization. So you would not, but realizing that it would have, a, it would have an effect on people. So it is about personal. And I had this conversation when I was sitting in a, in a, in a, in a going through you know, some processes with my leaders. And I actually asked this question to my leader. I said, okay, how personal do you dare to be? I know that English is not the, the best way English, but how, how personal do you want to go? 
And are you daring actually to become personal with your coworkers? Are you are you daring to to step away from only talking functional in, into talking um, personal? And the way I started to work with that one is that, for instance, I started to to well, my agenda was open anyway, so everybody could see my Outlook agenda. So you were experienced with Outlook, they, everybody could see where I was, what I was doing, and everybody it was okay to make appointments, and of course it was up to me to accept it or not accept it. But then I started to plan for what I called one-on-ones, you time, and I would ask my management team. I had a management team in those days of eight people that I was working, of course, very closely with. I said, we will, I will give you you time. So one-on-one, one hour. Every month doesn't sound much, but it is a lot when you when you see what you have to do in an organization. And I remember the first time when I started doing this, they would come in with their list. Yeah, this is not going well. I need to do that. And I said, whoa, whoa, that is not what I was talking about. If you want to talk business, if you want to talk functional, you can make an appointment in my agenda, and I will take. I will, and we're going to talk business. But this is about you and who you are and what is going on in your life and how is your mother doing and I heard about your sister and you know I can see that you're struggling with this and uh, you know and feedback and starting to build up that one and I would ask my management team to do that for 15 minutes or no that was yeah 15 minutes with the middle with their leaders and then every coworker should have it for 5 to 10 minutes more on the workflow environment just as an or as a as a way of boiling it down in the organization not so many layers so only you know that in, in becoming personal, because I said, we need to start becoming personal. I would start every meeting with a personal question. You know, have you ever been in these environments and, you know, where you're rushing from one meeting into the other meeting and it's agenda, point one, A, B, C, D, and you actually don't even land into the meeting. And I started to create this habit, and I'm s I, I do that still, and I, I work on a global level, and I work, you know, even when I'm sitting there with our CEO or with wh whoever we have there, I would start my meeting always with a personal question. Always with turning it around and, and, you know, opening up the heart of people. Because if you do that, then you connect hearts with hearts. And actually, you will have actually a much better meeting, I can tell you. So it's a very, it's a very also nice trick to, to ha land, have people land and then choose to open up and to have a much different dialogue when people are actually allowed to be themselves. So it is about being personal. The other area, and that was, that was one of those things that I saw, is that, you know, it's, it's what I call calling people by name. But the starting point for calling people by name is actually to addressing the whole person. And there is this, this interesting thing is that co-workers, you know, you have people with amazing talents, with amazing capabilities, but then when they leave home, they hang that at the code rack, they come to a business or an office, and then they become an employee. They become a co-worker. And they're not bringing all that stuff here that they're actually very good in, what makes them who they are into the workforce because they're caught up in job profiles and in, in tasks and things that do. So I started to talk about who are you as a person, what makes you happy, and how can we connect what you're good at into what we need to do together. So we're not, we're not, we're not going to steer on competence profiles, but we're going to steer on who you are as a person, how can we connect that together. And of course, there are limitations to that one. I'm also not naive, but it, it helps people to actually come to a place that they could be who they are. And with that, you start pe calling people by name, and you start calling people in a place where it is about their original design, who they were meant to be, how God has created that. Because believe it or not, God didn't only create Christians. He created them all. And we were all created into his image. And he all, for all of us, he has ideas. He has wishes and dreams. He has talents and gifts. And we just need to start bringing that into that work environment. We need to start seeing people on that same level. Again, where in the church, we are, you know, what are you called to in church? Why don't we ask that same question? Probably rephrase it in the work floor. 
you know, you could ask very simple, what makes you happy? What is the one thing that, you know, when I wake you up at night, you would say, I want to do that. What is, you know, and starting to have a conversation around that one. I have been doing many interviews, interviewing people for, 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 for jobs, and that will be one of my questions. And I've been in job interviews where I actually had to say in the interview, I said, you know what? I think you should do this. You should not do this. You know, you should not work for me because I think what you what you makes you happy is this. And that sounds strange, and, and my, maybe uh, sometimes I had it wrong, uh, and there's a lot of forgiveness in that, I hope. Uh, <laughs> but that is the conversation in, 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 in how you, you know, have with people when you value people, calling people by name. And the other one is also one I did in a, you know, uh, one of my mentors um, uh, um, in the vineyard that would always talk about eyes of grace. So how do we look at people? And I would use this sentence many times, especially when we were talking about people that where it was not going very well or they were not behaving very well. You know, how do we look at people? You know, and, and when I started as a leader, I would, I would see people, you know, when I started in my first years in Ikea, I, that's another thought. Actually, Ikea fired me in the first three years. Seriously. No, it's, it's not, a, you know, my, 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 my manager said at a certain point, Remco, you know, you're, you know, this is not going well. You know, I think you need to rethink your career choice. You know, I think working with people is probably not your thing. I think, and literally, and they literally actually, uh, through a, a, a complete crazy godly inter intervention, uh, uh, something popped up in the organization actually that led me to a global role, which I could not have imagined myself. Uh, but actually, after three years working for IKEA, they said, Ramco, ah, this is not going to work. Let, let's do something else, you know. So, um, so, but how do you, because I, I, I saw people in a different way. I could not go beyond, you know, efficiency and people seeing people as asset or seeing people as, you know, they need to do what I do and they need to listen to me, you know, all this kind of crazy stuff, which I would not do in church, which was very strange. I would do it in a business environment, but in church, leading, leading a youth group or being part of a youth leaders team, you know, being in church in, in, in leadership roles, I would not approach it that way. But in business, apparently, I was approaching it in that way because I did not, I, I, at that point, I had not made that connection that it is one and the same. There is no two worlds. There's one world, there's one God, there's one person, um, which is me, myself. So looking at people with eyes of grace. So how do we, how do we look at people with eyes of grace? How do we want to address people? And how do, what do we see behind people? And actually, I, I, you know, I was, there are no bad people. People sometimes behave bad, and people, uh, there's reasons behind it. But there are, yes, and of course, I fired people and, or, had to or I had to let people go or we had conversations where it wasn't working out. Of course, that is also part of this. But I also believe that that is my responsibility to help people to come in a place where they actually should be, which sometimes means that you have to let them go. So working with people is about being personal. It is about calling people by name. It is about having eyes of grace. And there's, there's tons more that I could share on this, but this is uh, where it does. And then maybe some examples. One of the things I started doing in my store was having, having birthday breakfasts on being personal. So the first <coughs> Wednesday of the month, no, the, sorry, the last Wednesday of the month, all the co-workers that had that birthday in that month were invited for a breakfast with the store manager. And as not with the store manager ahead of the table, I would serve them. I would, you know, I would actually prepare, uh, prepare the food together with them. I would actually help them. And we would have a conversation. This was very much about giving them an opportunity to have a conversation about their lives, but also about the work life. And that, was, and that became actually a super important part of our culture, having birthday breakfast. I, in the beginning, I was like, will this work? But 
And at a certain point, I said, well, I've done it now for a year. Let's stop it. But no, 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 we could not stop this because this became like one of those holy things in the company culture now because they wanted to be there and you, they would get a present and they had breakfast and it was really nice. Uh, the one-on-ones already talked about the meeting starting with the questions. Yeah. And then a word that has been mentioned many times also this morning. It starts all with identity. And... Um, I think this was probably one of my my biggest learning. Uh, I'm probably still am, but especially when I was younger, I was quite goofy. You know, I was a little bit nerdy. So I had my own ideas. Sometimes a little bit autistic in my behavior. Uh, and my wife can confirm I'm still am, but I've come to terms with it. <laughs> I think that is probably the, the the nice thing. But when I started as a leader and already said, you know, we made such a strange division between what we do in church sometimes and what we do in business. Because when I became a leader uh, in IKEA, before that I was in another company, but it was a little bit different setup, uh, I, I came in like, you know, okay, now I'm the boss in a big company, and I had in that time 40 coworkers, so that means I need to behave in a certain way, I need to be strong, and I need to show my strength, I need to tell them what to do and when to do it. And of course, that was all insecurity. It was all not being me in a position, in a place, not being in touch with actually that identity. And well, I probably don't have to say too much about identity because we had this morning a very amazing, you know, I could not do it better. Actually, by the way, <laughs> after the teaching this morning, I went to the toilet and I looked at the toilet pot in a totally different way. <laughs> I don't know about you. I was, I was just, I was like, okay, toilet, toilet brush, toilet pot. So, I, you know, I, I probably can never go to the toilet again, not having that image in my mind. <laughs> so I think that's quite, uh, that, that means that, that you did a good job on, uh, <laughs> on painting that picture. We will not forget the toilet and the toothbrush. You will never, everybody had that, oh, yuck. <laughs> I, I can totally see that. So, um, no, but it, it, it's, it's very much about, you know, me being up there, me being strong, me being you know, acting in a certain way. And of course, that had a super terrible effect. And of course, because of hierarchy, people would do certain things. But it was very much because I was not in touch and I was not in line. I was not there where I felt God had called me to be and who I was as a person because I was not accepting myself. I would, I would, I would think too less of myself. There were always leaders bigger than me. There were always people moving faster than me. I was quite, you know, I was this creative, strange, you know, I, I studied graphic design a, a long time ago and I was this creative, goofy, strange kind of guy. And I, I, I could not get myself into that place of, you know, who I actually was. And I, now I'm much more in a place where I feel that is actually my strength. This is who I am. This is how God has created me. That doesn't mean that, that I don't have to, you know, develop and I have to become more Christ-like. And that, I, you know, that is part of, you know, becoming to grow up, actually. That is part of becoming grow up. But it is and it starts all with, with identity. It starts with, it starts with the heart, your broken heart, understanding that you're loved by God. The same way, before you can do that, what I talked about, servanthood and stewardship, and, you know, you first need to actually have been loved by God yourself, understanding who you are as a person before you can actually start loving people back in that same way. It is, Christian leadership is the matter of heart. It is about daring to be vulnerable. And I think especially in this time, you know, I, I heard this morning also somebody made, you know, the VUCA world and all the uncertainty we are in, there is a huge need for strong leadership. But it's not the strong leadership that is found in power and in might and in, in, you know, in violence. It's the strong leadership that is found in vulnerability, found in the fact that we are who we are, who we are that God has called us to be, who he, who, who he sees us that we should be. 
and that is where vulnerability and I had to learn what it meant to become vulnerable I had to learn what it was to cry in front of people I had to learn to to really share my heart much more than just you know a strategy or a business ethos you know this was about you know be, being me and actually what I felt that when when this came together in that store and this realization because it was actually the point where it actually started to to realize that wow this is actually what God has what I had to learn there took me 25 years in, in, in working to come to that point, that that was where God wants me to be. It is about vulnerability, and it is as a leader about being human. And there's no better example on being human as Jesus. Jesus laid down his godly hood, being God, and he became human. And even being a, in being a servant, he became human. And I think that was one of those areas where I had to learn that as a leader, I'm actually just human. Where I felt that a leader was like, you know, you're kind of a, from a different planet. You know, you're a different species. You have to act and work and do things in a total different way. But it is also about uh, being human in your identity. And probably we'll hear much more about identity tomorrow. And we're almost there. And it, has, it came very much back to, to, to bring it together to calling. And what I had to understand and... Um, it was actually 2011, I still remember the day th and where I was, that I suddenly understand the calling that God has put in my life where, and how it works. Because when I grew up, and you would, you know, you're young and, and you know, I, I hear these guys and, and you know, with uh, Dreaming the Impossible and bring those young guys and we would have a youth group and, I, you know, and you want to go for God and, I, you know, when I'm 25, I want to be a pastor and when I'm 30, I want to have a mega church, you know, I go, I'm going to do it all for the kingdom because he has called me, he has given me gifts, it's all for the church. What I did not realize and, and at that point is that I am not so much called for, one, for church or marketplace, I'm called to be who I am, where I am. And that took me a while because I figured out that actually, and you know, there's some frustration is also so, and I've been, you know, been leading church and I, you know, been there and I've been doing stuff, but I've had to realize that the calling is for who you are as that one person. And I don't believe, uh, and I might uh, say some, uh, you know, I don't believe that we are called for the marketplace or we are called for the church. I think we are called. We're called by Jesus. We're called by the Father. And we're called in his image to do the things that he wants us to do. And I had to come to terms with that one. Um, and that was for me, uh, uh, you know, 2011, I was sitting in a forest, I was going through a kind of training, and I suddenly realized, you know, and it was, it sounds really strange for me, it was like, I am a leader. And I had to come to that point that I had to accept that God has called me as a leader, no matter where I was. So in church as a leader, and in business as a leader. And where actually this started to evolve. And I, I, I remember that I was having a conversation when I was doing this, this tour, in, and, and that was actually where this story started for me, that started to write down some of these things, and there's much more, where, where I had a conversation in how I was leading my store and how I was doing that, that somebody said actually, but Remco, what you're doing, you're actually ministering to your store, you're pastoring your store. And, and that was like, you know, this light, this, my goodness, this is actually what this is. Being called as a pastor, being called as a leader, is not depending on a church building. It's actually where I am. And I started looking back and said, you know, the way I've been leading this store is exactly the same way we want us actually to, to lead a church. The same way we approach people, the same way we address things, because that is who God has made us to be. 
That is, that is how he wants me to be. He doesn't want me to be a different person in a work environment or in a church environment. But I, 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 I didn't have that. And it took me, well, it was 2011, so I was already, uh, I was 25 by then. No, no. I was, <laughs> I can't even remember how old I was back then. But uh, I think in my 40s, uh, early 40s, that actually uh, I realized suddenly, whoa, this is what God has meant. So, and this was the missing link. And I think when I heard Debbie talking last night and when I heard actually this morning, you know, there is so such a truth in that, in this identity piece, who you are and in which image we are created. And that is the starting point when we actually talk about Christ-like leadership. That is the starting point, who we are. And it's so ridiculous. Then you think, you know, you've been reading your Bible, you've been doing your prayers, you, you know, you do the worship, you're giving your, you know, whatever. It's, you're doing your thing as a Christian, but it takes such a long time to realize actually, you know, where, where, the tr where it sits. And it was with this identity part. So for me, that became a very important part for me to change and to, to, to be who I was and how God has called me. And actually, that helped me to become uh, this, this, when we talk about Christ-like leadership in the marketplace. Just, just a story on you know, my journey um, in that one. Oh, wow, time is going crazy. Um, last thing to say. It's already been said, we're living in a time of great uncertainty. Nothing is linear anymore. Things, the, 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 uh, in the disruptions and changes are going more rapidly than ever before. And I think that is where we can stand up as Christians because we have, we have something to, to, to offer in this world, in the marketplace, in church also, because this is about humans that actually are going to all these uncertainties and all these disruptions and all these changes that are happening around us. But I think if we can bring some of that Christ-like leadership into those situations, we can actually be an answer. You know, it was said this morning, people out there, they know they're broken. They don't know how to fix it. And I think we have an answer. We have, we have something to offer. And I think we can, by being who we are, by allowing God to work through us in our deeds, in our, the way we work, in, in the way we interact with people, we can draw people closer to Jesus and we can actually show the kingdom of God in, in, in an environment uh, that, and that has an effect more and more. And I, I, you know, there I can tell stories of conversation I would have and then you know, the spirit would just fall on people. It was just with coworkers where, where suddenly they would cry and they would feel, you know, and they, they, they were almost like confessing sin. And I've been, in, it was in a work environment and I could not, it was really strange to experience that, but you could feel that if we bring Christ in that way to the work floor, I also believe that the rest will come and that his kingdom will, will break through in that, in that place. Okay. Um, we have about 15 minutes, so let's just take one minute. And I just want to see people have paper, but you don't need paper. You can also use your phone. Um, one question, just to, to, to reflect on for yourself, uh, having all said all this. Just think about this for one minute. What, how does this story fit into your story? How does this story fit into my story? And when I say my, I mean you.
this is just for yourself. So how does it fit? And you know, I would encourage you know to to write down some things and to to not forget about it. Then I have one more question, and I, I would actually say let's let's make groups of three. Uh, no, let's do two because I think we time-wise. And I know this is a little bit. Uh, and actually, I normally I would say find a new friend. So it should not be your wife or your partner or you you know your teammate or your 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 church member or whoever. So find a new friend. And there are probably a lot of people here that can have can can be in the need of some new friends, and just <laughs> <laughs> come on, and just um, have a conversation. And I know that we have to open up a little bit here, but how can I live out my calling in my everyday work life? That's the question. Let's take five minutes. Find somebody in the room. This might be messy. That's not a problem. How can I live out my calling in my everyday work life?
Okay, we can start rounding this up. Okay, I want to use the last five minutes for some questions, but before, that, before I do that, uh, one, one more challenge uh, to give you, um, to answer for yourself, uh, and that's actually connected to what you just uh, discussed or talked about uh, with your new friend, might be your new best friend, you never know. Um, what is the one thing that you will start doing today? So bring that with you. Write it down for yourself today. And, and do I just want to, you know, we're honest Christians. So if I ask you and you say yes, then you will probably do it. You know, write it down today. Because probably ne the next workshop round or the third workshop round already forgot about it. So just tr try for yourself. Don't leave the room, but for yourself. Okay, wh what we just talked about. What is that one thing I will start doing today? Or maybe next week, Monday, when you're in your work or Sunday in church. Or what does it look like? So just have that for yourself. And then we have another five minutes. So are there any questions or clarifications? Or did I say something that was not in the Bible? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I don't really get that one. So Yeah. Would you go ahead and do so? Or would you would you stand against it and say that it's up to God to decide whether the personality is your character is acceptable or not? 
Uh, yeah, th that's an interesting because it has different layers. That question, because um, I, I would well, I would do something that was called value-based recruitment. So I would, I would, I would recruit people on value and very much on who they who they are. That's one thing. On the other hand, there are good tests that can help you and yourself to understand where you are and what you're good at and not good at. So if it's it's if it's it's for that one, I would definitely say yes. Of course, that you know, there's a whole run there that we could actually use, and there's a very, there's great tools and also tools that we are very much using within church and church environments or in, in Christian counseling or co on consultancy. So yes, then I would do it. Yeah, and because and and that is maybe the, 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 you could also refer to the question is that you know. It is very much about being a fit in a company setting. You know, do I and my values and who I am and what I believe in and who I am as a person fits within that company culture and, and stuff? Because that is what, in the end, you know, that there should be. Because otherwise, it doesn't work. And, you know, you get burnouts and stuff that you don't want to. So yes, hope that answers a little bit your question. Yeah. I do. Uh, we, we are going through a uh, major transformation as IKEA worldwide. We're turning our company completely around, and we have to as a retail organization. Uh, and I, when I've been through in the summer, I've been through the similar conversation, uh, um, you know, being in a place with a lot of people that were not happy. And actually, I took the decision in that situation that I, I, I first of all, I needed, to, I needed to realize that I could not change it. The decisions were made. That was very important for me. The second one is then I felt, you know, what I can do is actually be coming alongside people in that situation. And I, I took that role. I had no manager. In that point, I did not have managerial role. So I did. I had a leadership role without coworkers. But I felt that my role was to help people to 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 answer some of the essential, you know, important questions about life. Who am I as a person? What gives me energy? You know, can I still live up to? You know, does this co come? To, so yes. You can do that. That's my experience too. Sometimes, but I I could also have you know it, it turned around, but I was also at a point that I could also leave myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For every person you employ, there are obviously countless others that you're not able to employ. Yeah. Multiple. How do you go about giving feedback? Do you ensure that you can give feedback to those that are unsuccessful? Yeah. I would always give feedback. I think it's, I think because it's, it's, uh, yeah, I always give feedback. 
and I always help people. And, you know, you have these situations where, you know, as I said before, that's where you, even in a conversation already, you know, I, <laughs> I was in this conversation with my HR. I think I had her crying after five minutes. She, she should not have been in that room, you know. The, and the reason for her, of course, because I, I understand that people uh, need to make a living. And, and, and I, I very much understand that. And it's sometimes very hard. But, you know, she was in the wrong place. Uh, and, and then, yeah, I give feedback. And then I, I, I try to be honest. And actually, together, I, I had an amazing HR manager that I recruited myself uh, for various reasons. And she and I were a very strong team in that one. So either I or she and we would. And it was all about. And also, I had that. My HR manager and I, we had a lot of conversations. She, she was actually, her father used to be a, a minister. So she, she knew about the Bible and where it came from. And uh, even if I was not, you know, having this on top of my, uh, on, on the written on front of my head. Uh, but we, we would talk a lot about eyes of grace and how we view people and that we actually believe in people and that that's the base of why we're doing the things we're doing. And that when you believe in people, you also sometimes have to say no because we, we, we believe in people. That also means sometimes no, like with children. Yeah. How often do you use the word Jesus in your office? Uh, almost zero. Unless I have a conversation about uh, about my my Christian and why you know that I love Jesus, but no, I I I that was also something I realized uh, becoming responsible uh, for a, gr a great group of people uh, that I that I I felt also that I should not misuse it. What I did on the other side is when I left, and that was you know, so I would not. And that's exactly what I said before. I said, I, I believe that by who I was and how I act and how I behave and I, hel I, ha I helped others to come into that place, I believe I was a much stronger witness than uh, smashing the Bible around people's heads. And, of course, the word Jesus would be, would be named, but not, not as like, hello, here I am, and I love Jesus. Jane? Of course, they knew I was a Christian. That was very, very, although I didn't come in, hi, I'm the new store manager, and by the way, I'm a Christian. That was not, that was not, I, I, I built on that one, but I, also, I was not afraid on that one. And what I did actually when I left, I, I gave my, because we had this, uh, this, this habit of, uh, of giving management book for, for celebrative occasions to each other. That became a kind of a thing between me and my management team. And actually at the end when I left, I gave them the message. I said of all the management books that we have given each other, this is the ultimate management book and all the things that we talked about in the last three years, all the principles came from this book. And, um, Yeah, Th that was an amazing thing that happened in that room when, when I did that. And I actually, um, uh, I act yeah, you were there, I think, Jane. I prophesied over all my, all my management members, and they didn't know I was prophesying over them and giving them, handing them a Bible, and it has a huge, it's still up to today, had a huge impact on these people. And I believe that I was, I was, you know, I was bringing them much closer to Jesus than I probably could have done in another way. So this was my way. There might be other ways, I, I, you know, I, I believe in a lot of other ways, but that was, yeah, how it was for me. Okay, so final last question, because I need to let you go, because you guys probably need to run to another workshop. <laughs> Sorry. Um, with the eyes of grace, how do you discern when it's being grateful to someone, and then also them just taking time to do Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, th yeah, p people take, yeah. And that comes back to the trust factor also. I'm, you know, I always used to give active trust, and I probably am known for giving sometimes too much trust. I was been, you know, I also have made some misjudgment there, and then it turned out not to be right. And still, I would still believe I would stay given that person the same trust and the same amount of space, 
because I felt that that was who I was. And I've made mistakes, and there are some that I, m some greater mistakes also in that one, where other people would suffer because I gave a little bit too much grace to people in in who they how they were acting and behaving. Uh, uh, yes, but uh, yeah, that's also a learning curve. But I also believe that the Holy Spirit, you know, and that is one of those things in in our the way we, you know, the Holy Spirit comes alongside in these situations. You know, I, I have had many, many opportunities, uh, situations where I felt led in the conversation, in the words to be used, in in seeing through people, or actually allowing God to see, you know, through me to the people. Uh, so yes, yeah. Okay. Guys, thank you very much. You've been uh, great. <laughs>